1: This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The U.S. indicts Huawei for racketeering. The FBI and CISA release details on malware used by North Korea's Hidden Cobra. Iran attributes last week's DDoS attack to the U.S. Google takes down a big malvertising and click fraud network that exploited Chrome extensions. Reports surface of DNC involvement in Iowa Reporter app. Not all official advice is necessarily good advice. And if things don't work out with your object of affection, don't spy on their social media accounts. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, February 14th, 2020. First, a happy St. Valentine's Day to lovebirds everywhere. We trust you're shopping safely for candy and flowers and that you're sending your love letters by secure means. Good for you, because what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Of course, it's not all hearts and flowers everywhere, and lately especially not in Shenzhen and Washington. The U.S. Justice Department has sent a new mash note to Huawei in the form of a 16-count superseding RICO indictment against Huawei. TechCrunch calls the 16-charge indictment sprawling. RICO is the acronym by which the Racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Actions Act is commonly known in the U.S. It's a federal statute that dates to 1970 and that has been used extensively in mob prosecutions. The U.S. alleges a decade-long conspiracy to steal the intellectual property of U.S. firms. The defendants include many Huawei companies and subsidiaries, as well as Wanju Meng. Ms. Meng, you'll recall, is the company's CFO, who's currently in Vancouver, British Columbia, fighting extradition to the U.S. The Department of Justice says it's found decades-long efforts by Huawei and several of its subsidiaries, both in the U.S. and in the People's Republic of China, to misappropriate intellectual property, including from six U.S. technology companies, in an effort to grow and operate Huawei's business. Huawei calls the charges baseless, and another move by the U.S. to irrevocably damage the company. The company says it expects to prevail in court. Lawfare points out that Huawei has shifted its position a bit on the Wall Street Journal's report that the company's devices were backdoored. They've moved from saying, we can't intercept traffic, to, we could intercept traffic, but someone would notice if we did. The FBI and CISA have released malware analysis reports detailing malware used by North Korea's Hidden Cobra, according to Bleeping Computer. The malware strains included in the report are Bistromath, Slick Shoes, Crowded Flounder, Hot Croissant, Artful Pie, Buffet Line, and Hoplite. All of them are Trojans. Iran, which had been slow to attribute blame for last weekend's distributed denial-of-service attack, has now decided to call the incident an American operation, Tasnim reports. How Tehran knows it was Washington isn't specified. The official statements emphasize the success of Iran's cyber defenses. Researchers at Cisco's Duo worked with Google to help Mountain View take down more than 500 malicious extensions from its store. The bad Chrome extensions were part of an extensive malvertising and click-fraud network. Members of the Iowa Democratic Party have dropped a dime on the national organization over the badly botched implementation of the Iowa Reporter app during last week's caucus. Yahoo News received a copy of the contract between Shadow Incorporated and the Iowa Party that required Shadow to deliver its code to the Democratic National Committee for testing. Yahoo! also obtained emails that seem to indicate that senior DNC officials were involved in drafting the contract. The DNC disputes any inference that it was involved in developing the app. Their involvement, a spokesperson says, was confined to an offer of security assistance. Not all official advice, alas, is always useful or sometimes even well-informed. Consider, if you will, a poster being circulated in the UK to advise British parents on how to see whether their little nippers are staying safe online. The West Midlands Regional Organized Crime Unit's poster says that if you see Tor, Kali Linux, Discord, Metasploit, or a virtual machine on your child's device, you should call the cops. Register says the poster is all bollocks, which we're not sure is a bad word or not, but at any rate, we think means hogwash or baloney or... Something like that. At any rate, the WMROCU says that if you find any of these signs of children hacking, let them know so they can engage them into positive diversions. And positive diversions are exactly what the youth of Birmingham need. So the poster is a bit like a minor version of a digital age reefer madness. The UK's National Crime Authority, whose logo appears on the poster, tweeted its own displeasure, quote the NCA was not involved in the production or release of this poster. There are many tools which tech-savvy children use, some of which can be used for both legal and illegal purposes, so it is vital that parents and children know how these tools can be used safely. End quote. And finally, to return to a St. Valentine's Day theme, let us all remember not to go crazy if things don't work out romance-wise. Sometimes, they don't. Sometimes, well... They're just not that into you. To stay with the mother country for a bit, the Mirror reports to the UK's shame that almost one in five Brits, as the Mirror calls them, have logged on to their ex's social media accounts to keep tabs on them. To this, we can only say, How dare you, sir? For shame, madam. Just let it go. And if you live in the West Midlands and you feel yourself moved to snoop on the one that got away, well, just call the WMROCU and ask them to help you engage into positive diversions. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program. Quickly assess risk, Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io/slash cyberwire. And joining me once again is Craig Williams. He's the director of Talos Outreach at Cisco. Ah, uh, Craig, it's always great to have you back. Uh, you all recently published uh, some information up on the Talos blog about Zone uh, Rat, which is a cloud-based rat that you all are tracking. Take us through what you're looking
2: at here. Well, so this is actually one of the more interesting rats we see. You know, I wouldn't say the methodology is unique, but it is reasonably rare still. But it's one of those rats that basically uses the cloud to distribute itself. You know, it uses Google Docs and things like that. But it actually checks the keyboard layout of victims before the uh, installation path continues, which, you know, it's not rare, but it is not something you see every single day. Mm. And especially when you take into account the fact that this targeted basically only keyboard layouts in the Middle East, it did make it pop up on our radar as something to look into.
1: So just just for background, what is the purpose of something like this looking at keyboard layouts?
2: Well, so if you're a bad guy and maybe for whatever reason, you only want to target users in a certain region. So, you know, we'll see this kind of technique deployed if they want to target, let's say, utility providers in a certain country. Like maybe they just want billing accounts for, uh, I don't know, let's say a Middle Eastern utility or Middle Eastern banks or... Even something as simple and mundane as, like, cable providers, right? Mm. Lots of different things the the adversaries can target, and they may actually be combining different sources of intel, right? So maybe they want credentials for a certain internet provider because they have the ability to go into that site and attempt those passwords without being detected. So they assume that if they can compromise those accounts, they'll go completely undetected. Uh, And alternatively, maybe they want to target banks because they believe that they found a vulnerability in the way that the uh, banking system is laid out or whatever. So it's it's not unusual to see this type of activity, but seeing it so specifically targeted in the Middle East is definitely something that made it pop up on our radar.
1: And so reading between the lines then, what does that tell you about what they're after here?
2: Well, in this case, we don't have any exact information on what they're after. You know, obviously they wanted to get systems in the Middle East, specifically in Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Egypt, Libya, Algeria, Morocco and countries around there. But we don't know specifically from those countries what they want. And so that's why it's kind of one of those situations where there's a lot of possibilities and there are bounds on those possibilities, but it's still kind of a, a gray area as to exactly what the attacker's eventual plan will be. Are, are there any uh, specific technical details that are interesting when it comes to Joan Absolutely. So this one had some really advanced anti-debugging features, you know, uh, one of the things that jumped out on my radar that I thought was extremely unusual was the fact that it seemed to target Python decompilers specifically, right? So it's, hmm. it's you know, uh, it's relatively unusual for bad guys to go through the trouble of distributing something through a cloud provider like Google Drive, right? That's, that's not everyday, it's not rare, but when you combine that with the, uh, the regionality and you combine that with the Python anti-debugging, it really made this one interesting. And to give you an example specifically of what we mean here, if you were to take this particular sample and run it through a tool like Uncompile, um, and by the way, that's spelled uh, P-Y-L-E, you know, because it's (laughs) clever. it (laughs) Uh, It actually would change the if statement to specify not any of these countries as opposed to any of these countries in the conditional. huh? It's a very subtle response, but when I was uh, discussing this with my researchers, Paul and Vitor, they were puzzled because they both came up with two different answers. And so you can imagine two people comparing notes remotely when one's like, it's X, and the other's like, no, it specifically says not X. So a a bit of confusing fun for us to play with. And so there were uh, little things like that that really made this jump out for us because that's relatively unusual, you know, and these set of different unusual circumstances really made it highlight itself on our radar, and it's one of those threats that we're going to end up tracking probably fairly closely as a result just to see what the attacker is up to next. And what are the recommendations to protect yourself? Well, obviously, it comes down to the fact that you shouldn't be opening documents or any file really from strange sources, and even if you do see something coming from a known source, if it's an attachment or something that's not expected you know, go ahead and reach out, you know, send them a text message, pick up the phone and make sure that they intended to send you that. Because the reality is these days we see lots of threats that go through emails, that go through existing conversations, that go through existing contacts, and will carry out a conversation under the guise of a previously reiterated conversation or, you know, just simply spamming out to all your contacts along with a malicious attachment.
0: Hmm.
1: All right. Well, the blog post is called Joan Rat, Cloud-Based Python Rat Targeting Middle Eastern Countries. Craig Williams, thanks for joining us. Thank you. My guest today is Shuvo Chatterjee. He's product manager at Google in charge of advanced protection. Shuvo's team at Google recently introduced new ways to make use of mobile devices with some of their advanced protection security techniques. In addition to that, our conversation explores the importance of reducing friction for users when it comes to the adoption and day-to-day use of sophisticated security tools.
0: So advanced protection is Google's strongest offering for security for anyone's accounts. So it can be consumer accounts, but it can also be your G Suite account as well. And so what Advanced Protection provides is first, it's an enforcement of security keys so that you have to have a security key in order to uh, authenticate to your device or to your computer or wherever you're logging in. Additionally, we have other protections that we provide as well. So some of these are uh, behind the scenes. We do a lot of things like malware scanning for attachments and various risk tolerances for account recovery. And, um, you know, last... Year we announced um, for Chrome users who are in advanced protection that they would start getting uh, stricter verdicts about whether or not they should really be downloading a file that they're trying to download. And there's various other things that we're doing, and there's more to be announced. But the general idea is that advanced protection is constantly evolving as the threat landscape evolves. And so if you are a high-risk individual, whether you're a politician, journalist, activist, whatever your role may be, that this is the simplest way by which you can protect your digital life with Google.
1: And you've got uh, some new ways to do that. Can you take us through what uh, additional measures you've enabled here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we, we noticed is, you know, taking a look at, we commissioned this Harris Poll study of 500 high-risk users, you know, across various professions, and taking a look at how many of them have been attacked and of those who have been attacked, how many have actually taken any kind of necessary steps? And so the vast majority have had some kind of phishing attack targeted towards them. I think it was something around 74% that we found. But at the same time, the vast majority haven't taken any action. Like they haven't enrolled into SV or, or you know, two step verification or anything else like that. And so we've done a lot of user studies and especially around its protection to understand what are the, uh, the barriers to entry. And while we, feels you know these physical security keys are great in terms of what they do for phishing resistance it's still this thing that a lot of people don't understand and so with our latest update what we did was now the the device in your pocket which is your phone can act as your security key and once you have that enabled it's a one-click enrollment into advanced protection so android devices we announced last year can act as a security key part of this announcement is now we are letting iPhones as well act as a security key, and to do that, you know, a user downloads Google Smart Lock app, and um, that takes care of the necessary pieces on your phone. Where you know, unlike on Android, where we control the entire experience on iOS, we have to create an app to get to where we want it to be. But that way, you have that communication from Chrome to your phone to verify you are in proximity, it's you who's actually trying to log in, and you get the same level of protection as you would with a physical security key.
1: Now, the research that you all have done has shown that when people are using these sorts of of, uh, methods that that you offer with APP, I mean, the, the level of security goes way up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even taking a step back from an advanced protection just enabling basic um, you know uh, account security mechanisms such as basic two step verification it can block uh, like upwards of 90% of automated bulk phishing attacks and a majority of targeted attacks what advanced protection helps with is the super targeted highly motivated adversary those levels of attack but people can take these simple steps as you know enrolling in 2SV as a very first step to Really reduce their surface area of attack.
1: And I suppose if you're if you're someone who uh, falls into that category, chances are you probably know it, or someone's telling you that you are.
0: For the most part, we find that most people understand that they're high risk. But the problem that we see oftentimes, so like you know, this year being an election year, a lot of campaigns might be thinking, okay, it's it's just the principal, or maybe you know, top staffers who are targets. But in reality, it's anyone who would have access to sensitive data. It could be not only on the campaign's uh, email domain, but also your personal, right? Like your personal account ends up being this place by which the rest of your digital life could fall like dominoes. And so protecting both personal account and your enterprise account for everyone who's associated with things that are highly sensitive, that's a really important step. I think people also discount that You know, family members could also be people who are, you know, under attack from these highly uh, motivated players because Hmm. that's an entry point, and through that entry point, they can um, have lateral movement and try to get to the final goal of which might be the principal.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting insight. I mean, I, I think a lot of folks. I think it's natural to think that when I leave the office and I head home that uh, a lot of those concerns, I leave them at the office, but uh, not necessarily the case. Your home network could be a way that people try to come at you.
0: Your home network can be. It's. Uh, it could be your connected devices. It could be your personal account that is also the recovery email for your bank account or for your social media or for, you know, various things are tied together. And oftentimes the thing that ties all these things together is that personal account and people... Sometimes discount how important it is to protect that account. We're always listening to user feedback, and we've heard mm-hmm. that people have said that they've had a hard time with security keys, or that you know it's been difficult to enroll in. And what we are striving to do is you know strike that balance between usability and security, so that we can offer our strongest level of security, uh, but making the experience better over time, so that people aren't having to choose between. Well, this is too difficult, and so I'm just not going to sign up for it, which at the end of the day actually puts them in a worse position. Uh, and so we're trying to bridge that gap.
1: That's Shuvo Chatterjee from Google. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com.